We are continuing in our sermon series, the I Am Statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. In this passage, we pretty much had the whole sermon. Stephanie explained it all to us, so I'll do my best to keep going. But listen for a word from God from the Gospel according to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And this is Jesus speaking. Believe in God, believe also in me. You will be satisfied. It will do greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus is found at what is called, the beginning of what is called, the farewell discourses. This means that we are in the final week of Jesus' life before he will be crucified. And he's speaking to his disciples. He's preparing them for how they are to live when he is no longer bodily with them. He's offering them encouragement and guidance for how to go on. You see, the disciples have just partaken in the very first communion. They shared and tasted the living bread. Jesus has humbly washed their feet so they are ready to go out in the world. And he has given them a new commandment to love others as Jesus has loved them. And he has also foretold that the disciples will betray, abandon, and deny him. And then after all this, he offers this text for strength to carry on. Jesus leaves them with this I am statement, which contains three truths, three different yet united truths for more fully understanding who God is in our life. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And we're going to look at each of these truths individually and then again as a whole statement. The first statement is Jesus is the way. The way is a common theme that runs through the whole of Scripture. Always the people of God are heading towards something. The Israelites were headed in the way towards the promised land. The disciples were followers heading toward Jesus and toward his teaching. Even after Jesus died and was resurrected in the book of Acts, the early Christians were noted, are noted as people of the way, people who followed Christ. The way is in a sense a map, a place of knowledge on where to go. I was listening to This American Life, the radio program on NPR, and the whole episode was about maps. And they started explaining that in New York City, if you are to trip and fall on the sidewalk, the city is only liable if they have been previously told that there's an imperfection on the sidewalk. And so what they did with, you know, the millions of people that walk through New York City every single day, a group of lawyers got together and twice a year they paid this group of people to walk every sidewalk in New York City and map out every imperfection so they can send it to the city to bring it to their attention to fix. 
Well, Ira Glass, who is the host of This American Life, was with them on one, one of the cartographers on this tour. And they were at this corner, and he was noticing and making note of an imperfection in the sidewalk. And Ira noticed that this was such a minor thing in the busyness on the corner in New York City. There were hundreds of people walking by. There were bicycles zooming by. There were cars honking. There was a hot peanut stand on one side and a hot dog stand on the other. There was so much life going around. And so he asked the cartographer, he says, do you ever make note of anything else in your maps? And he says, no, the only thing we care about are these specific imperfections. That is the whole of our map. And Ira Glass noticed that maps are important. Maps are crucial for the information they give us, but almost as important as the information it doesn't give us. That it's very specific and pointed and guided so we know exactly what we're looking for. I think this is what it's like in the commandments of Jesus as the way. Jesus, as I said before, just gives the disciples a new commandment to love others as Jesus loves them. That is what it means to follow in the way. What are the two most important commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your soul and heart and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's a specific, exact task for how we are to live. But there are a lot of things that happen in life. Jesus, and Jesus doesn't explain how to interact in all situations. Jesus does not tell us how to interact with the new artificial intelligence that is entering our lives. Jesus does not tell us exactly which political party to vote for. But what Jesus does is tells us to love the Lord our God and to love others. And everything else flows out from that. We still have to do the work of discernment, but we have a very specific way in which we are called to live. And that is to love others and to love God. The next truth that Jesus gives us is Jesus is the truth. And I don't know about you all, but something being named as the truth is a little scary to me because I have had things in my life that I absolutely 100% believed to be true and then I was absolutely 100% wrong. And that has even happened in my faith. There have been things that I thought to be absolutely true about the Bible And as my faith grew, I realized that they were not necessarily true. And so what does it mean when something claims to be the capital T truth as Jesus does in this statement? I think what it means is that Jesus is helping us understand the way of the world. The truth that there is evil and difficulty and pain and brokenness in the world and that we participate in that, yet we are called to new life. That we are called to come back to the faith that Jesus knows us and loves us. There was an interview with Sarah Huritz, who was a former White House speechwriter. And she talked about how she was at the pinnacle of her career. She was 35 and a speechwriter for the president. Yet even at that pinnacle, she was searching for something more, searching for 
meaning because she wasn't finding it in her job. And she found it in an unexpected place. She found it in the Jewish faith of her childhood. She said, you know, she grew up culturally Jewish, but fell away and didn't really know the faith. But as she was searching for meaning, she found a home. And the interviewer said, you know, I don't really have a faith of my own. Instead, what I have is a spiritual buffet. You know, I like to grab some mindfulness from Buddhism, maybe a little Catholic guilt to make me feel bad about myself, and then maybe a little Jewish mysticism, and I wrap it all together to kind of make my own faith. And Huritz responded that that actually kind of made her uncomfortable. She said, we can absolutely learn and grow from other traditions, but when our, the whole of our faith becomes just a sampling What we do is create a faith in our own image. We reinforce the things we already believe. She said the wisdom of the ancient faiths or the Abrahamic faiths is that they grow us and they give us accountability. She says the purpose of them is to actually say, you know what? Each one of you is infinitely worthy. You are amazing. But also, you sometimes do things that are actually... kind of unkind and are sometimes cruel or insensitive or impatient. And so what we're going to do as a faith is actually gently and lovingly show you that these things are wrong and invite you to do better. And this is the truth of Jesus Christ, that in the truth of who he is, that he is perfect and we are not, that there is brokenness and evil in the world, but... We are called towards redemption and reconciliation and new life because of the person of Jesus. That is the truth that there is hope even in the midst of a hurting world. And finally, Jesus says, I am the life. I am all life culminating in who I am. And this life is resurrection life, new life, a new way to live. I think oftentimes we think of resurrection as something that happens after death. But Jesus actually gives us the opportunity for new life and resurrection every single day. That is the gift of Jesus Christ. Every breath that we breathe, we breathe into the presence of God to become something more. To become a better follower of Christ. Every action we take is in the light of God, the creator's magnificent mercy that we know so intimately. Every one of us has things that we wish we could let go of. Every one of us has things like the disciples that trouble our hearts, that make them feel heavy. Maybe it is, maybe what is troubling us is fear about the future. Maybe it is anxiety about the present Or maybe it's feeling stuck in the past. But Jesus offers us new life today and tomorrow and the next. He allows us to go beyond our past to become new creations in Christ and experience new life today. Beloved in Christ, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life that guides us through the world that is full of violence and hurt and pain and points us to a new way of being, 
a way that embraces the love of other human beings as image bearers of God, a way that reminds us that the beauty of creation is a reflection of the creativity and power of the creator God who loves every human being. We are called to live in a way that beckons us away from the thousands of deaths we could suffer every day into the new life found in Christ. Friends, we are all searching for a way to live, for truth to hold fast to, and for new life and life abundant. And all these things are found in the grace and love of Jesus Christ. So let us come over and over again. Let us return again and again to Jesus Christ so that we may be, so that we may receive life. We may also be known by the giver of life. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.